Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. So this is part two of the Richard Amsel documentary interview that started with Adam McDaniel. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Paul Shipper, uh, who's been on the show before, but we were catching up really to see what Paul's been up to in 2020, but also his relationship with Adam and the Richard Amsel project. So for the next 45 minutes to an hour, I hope you enjoy it and I hope you've learned a lot about the movie poster world and you should really check out more of Paul's work as well at paulshipper.com. So thanks for listening and see you next time. Hello and welcome to this special little segment of He Shoots, He Draws. And it's the first time I've ever done this where I've had a second guest as part of a first guest show. And I couldn't think of anyone better to do it with than Mr. Paul Shipper, who's been on the show before. Um, He very kindly invited me to his house and we sat down for a a good while talking about films and his career and, and all sorts. So it's good to have you back, Paul. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be back. So the reason why I've contacted Paul again, apart from I really wanted an excuse to talk to him again anyway as a follow-up, um, but this episode is all about Richard Amsel, and I spoke to Adam McDaniel, who's doing a documentary and subsequently will turn into a book. And when we were talking about, you know, the, the greats of the industry, your name came up a lot um, because you've kind of, you're that kind of next generation um, amongst some others of you know your age and and modern day film poster design and illustration, but I just wanted to ask you when we first spoke, we obviously talked a lot about your relationship with Drew and how you met Drew and and kind of his inspiration. But you've known Adam for quite some time. So what's your history with Richard, or I guess more so, what's your history with Adam? Uh, I've I, I've known Adam for quite a number of years now. Um, when, uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, it must be back to the early 2000s, I'd say perhaps because there was a, cause he's a big Indiana Jones fan as a, as am I. Yeah. And I think we may have met online on a, on a Indiana Jones forum, which could have been part of the Raider.net, which was an Indiana Jones fan website. And I think that might have been the first place because it was one of the first places I ever shared my artwork publicly on, on there. And it was Indiana Jones related artwork, you see. And I think it might have been there because Adam had done some Indiana Jones artwork too. And so we probably, I think, I mean, I've that, kind of, that's kind funny. of the story he, he mentioned right. as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like Mr. And Mrs. <laughs> yeah. My brain working. Uh, it's 20 years ago now so um but yeah and we've stayed in touch over the years and and uh and he's been uh very complimentary of my work and and in he's been doing all sorts of different things and then when i heard about him doing a um documentary about richard amsell who's one of the most prolific movie poster artists of his time uh i you know, I've been a fan of his work uh, from as, as as long as I've been a fan of Drew's work, you know, from growing up, seeing it um, through movie posters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm. which is obviously Indiana, Indiana Jones poster. Um, and then seeing other things that he's done, um, like 
the sting and uh you know and then going back to things like flash gordon as well yeah i mean those kind of images uh they they they're ingrained in your memory from your childhood yeah so and so as soon as he said that he said he was asking if i'd be interested in uh in, in speaking on the on the documentary, which is, is this is a pure passion project, I think for for Adam to be taking on, and and he's been working on it for some time now, and um, I I think it's a great project that he, I, it, he's doing a great service. Honestly, it's almost like, uh, and I said this because I, I I got to know Eric Sharkey who did the Drew Struzan documentary, and I said it to him as well. They are doing. They're almost, it's like they're creating a historical archive um, for the, for this, for this work, which, which I think is as important in, in pop culture as well as just general culture. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the kind of art, and that's, I mean, I've been in love with this art form for a long time now. And, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to actually work on some things uh in this fashion like doing illustrated movie posters so yeah i'm over the moon that he's actually doing something or somebody's doing something and adam is the right person i think to do it you know yeah i uh, said to him if having listened to him and the amount of work he's put into it and like you said a real passion project i said i can't imagine anybody better than you doing this because of your passion towards it um, and your knowledge and the understanding of the industry as well and you know knowing Richard's peers it was interesting that he said like Richard existed you know the same time as Drew and obviously Richard had a much shorter life um, but yet like they never really met and when you think today like you and I we meet through social media or a mutual friend and the work is shared constantly and you know you do something you fire it off on an email it comes back make these changes but back then these guys were just at home in their studio with paint and paper and pencils and they haven't got that luxury and yet you assume you always assume like all rock stars know each other and all these artists know each other and yet sometimes they never their paths never even cross they just mutually admire each other's work it's true it's true and it's it's kind of a shame because uh you know they they they're I, i remember you know always thinking there was always a camaraderie between the artists even though they didn't meet uh they would always be aware of each other and each other's work um you know obviously before any kind of social media or internet was available they'd always find out who was doing what or see eventually who did what and have great admiration for each other's work and um it just so happens today everything happens in an instant mm. and things even because of that things are actually in some ways less uh less less dramatic in a way because it's just like it's almost throwaway now it's yeah like there's so there much it stuff and it's gone uh and if it doesn't go viral uh it's meaningless so um it's a bit of a shame really because a lot of things go under the radar these days. Whereas before, before the time of the internet is probably more of a, um, you'd, you'd almost like 
grab it with two hands and not want to let go of it and look at it and stare at it for as long as you possibly could. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess it's just modern day technology. Yeah. Um, it's great, obviously, but it can also, uh, the gravitas uh, connected with the artwork can sometimes be lost um, in the vast internet. <laughs> well, I know having watched uh, Drew's DVD, which I've actually got up on my shelf up here, um, there was a time where he lost a lot of his work. And, and you kind of think, like, for you, it's very digitally stored. You do get it printed because it's in your in your store as well. But, like, back then, there's these one-off pieces of art, these kind of Mona Lisas of, of the movie world that, at the time, um, you know, I've spoken to a few sort of designer people who when we talk about art from the past is nobody knew it was collectible i've been speaking to um jerry jerry anderson's son jamie um going to be doing some work with them and he was saying like when his dad made thunderbirds they just threw it all away nobody knew that this stuff was ever going to be collectible that it was ever going to have this kind of value so when adam was saying like he's going out and he's trying to find these pieces of artwork and coming across these sketches that Richard had done or some advert that had been saved from a magazine or, you know, this, this it is such a rarity. And when people talk about football and they say, like, the fans of the 13th man, I mean, the the movie poster is the supporting actor. I mean, we you and I spoke about it, that a poster's as iconic for a film, probably as as its most iconic scene. It's people think of the the movie poster probably before they think of anything from the film itself. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's an indelible piece of uh, historical evidence that the film is actually a thing. Sometimes, uh, and and also, you know, we've said this before, probably on the last time we spoke, where you know the movie poster is a is a chance to relive the movie without actually sitting through the entire movie itself yeah if you've already seen the movie you could just glance at the poster it's a bit like listening to the soundtrack you yeah get this you flash back to the way you felt when you saw the movie and and it can make you feel good make you feel great um and that and that's why a lot of us have hung them on our bedroom walls growing up and some of us even today have them in our living rooms and other rooms around the house um but yeah i think uh what's uh, what's going on right now is um the fact that adam's doing this and drew's had a documentary and i know for a fact that eric sharkey who did the drew documentary is working on another documentary um about greg hildebrand okay uh, so uh which i'm actually honored to be part of that one too so this you know it's a dream come true for me to be even included in the in the same sentence as people like uh richard amzal and greg hildebrandt so um i'm kind of beside myself really in this day and age <laughs> <laughs> but isn't isn't that lovely though that it's like the fact that i got to know you and you know we sat down and had a chat like like two mates having a chat that it is lovely yeah. when when I now speak to other people in that world, they speak of you so fondly, and you know you're you're a very well spoken of person, and uh, and you come up, your name comes up in those other names, which I think you know we're here talking about on the back of Richard Amsel. I mean, one day 
there's going to be people sitting talking about 90 year old Paul Shipper and, <laughs> and dragging out all these Seagate hard drives going <laughs> look at me. But, yeah let's try and find an old computer to hook this up to the, ni- the nice thing is uh, the, I mean the, I always um, now my computer's beeping at me it's all right. um, the nice thing about um, digital is that it's, a, it's another I always say it's another tool uh, another, it's another. It's like a paintbrush. It's a mm. different way of creating something that, and I, and it doesn't mean it's going to look a certain way, but it it has that aesthetic to to the the old way, which I've loved growing up. So I've kept that going, but you know, mostly digitally. Um, but my my drawing boards are out here. I'm painting again, um, uh, for real, which is good because that's the way I did it up until, you know, the last. The last painted, I did an album cover in, uh, say, eight years ago. That might have been the last painting okay. I did for an actual job. Um, but I did digital work while that was going on. But it's just nice to go back to it. You know, I'm a bit rusty, but I'm uh, getting back into it again. All right. But you'll be you'll be seeing you'll be seeing some of that uh, real painting stuff happening and drawing and sketching and things like that. Um, and we hope to be making it available to see on on the internet, on the social medias. Hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really nice uh, to hear things like that, actually, you know, that you, w- w- because I, it's hard to talk about yourself all the yeah, time, but <laughs> nice to hear that people maybe feel a certain way about you, about, about and, and and to be recognized in, in amongst these uh, giants who I grew up with uh, is an absolute honor. You know, I cannot. Uh, it's a responsibility, Paul. I mean, you, you think like the, the way you are spoken of with that comes uh, probably pressure of, you know, like the next Star Wars trilogy or the next Indiana Jones. Paul Shipper has got the job such a you know there is such a responsibility for you to kind of continue that expected quality or that expected style because you know the, the movie posters do have a kind of look about them like you say you take elements of the film sometimes you don't always get to watch the whole film but you just being you know Paul Shipper illustrator and you get that job it's not like you just whack out the Cintiq and go, oh, yeah, I'll just knock out a few bits here. You've, it's still an art form. It's still, you've still got to have that in your fingers and in your brain. But nice that, that you know, there's always going to be fans in any world. I, you know, I know music fans are very picky about, oh, I didn't like he did this, he didn't like, didn't like he did that. And you will get it in movie posters. But I think it's lovely that you're kind of trusted with carrying that torch by your peers, by, you know, Drew thinks highly of you, the people in the industry think highly of you. And I think the fact that you do good work and you respect where you've come from probably carries so much weight with those people as well. Well, that's really lovely to hear as well. I mean, I hope so. Um, I, and it is definitely a uh, a weight to, to try and, you know, it is, it is of great magnitude and I don't take it lightly. The, uh, the, you know, the, the mantle of like following in the footsteps of somebody or, or trying to keep something alive, which I, I you know, I've been a, uh, vocal, 
person in that way for like the last sort of 15, 20 years, really, to try and keep this uh, illustrated poster um, alive in some respect. So it's uh, it's something that I, I, I love dearly. And do I do feel like I've been um, very very lucky to be able to con- try and continue uh, this and, and the people I've worked with, um, you know, people at, at the the clients who I've worked with are, are just to to give me this opportunity to do things. They were, hopefully they saw something in my work that they were like, yeah, we we can continue this tradition. Yeah, uh, when when the time when the time is right and we can do things. Um, and a lot of things, a lot of friends who I've met who have helped open those doors as well. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been a great um, a joy to meet the people involved and work with them and, and be able to try and, you know, create something um, that helps sell a movie, but also uh, is pretty to look at and enjoyable to look at for hopefully years to come that kind of thing and and also you know for people to get the same feeling that i got when i saw drew's work and and rich and amsel's work um growing up you know that kind of even just a small fleeting moment of feeling of that of of of, it it, you're trying you're trying to try you do try and go there every time but it doesn't always work (laughs) in the back of your mind the whole time you know, to try and live up to that kind of uh, greatness, but it's uh, you can't you can't quite do it every time. But I'm trying, trying each time, each and every time. Um, but that's a no- that's it- a nice thing, I think, the fact that you care enough to keep trying to be better, keep improving. Because you know that I've said to many an artist, it's lovely when you your name becomes a look when people say. Oh yeah, that I, I want it like Paul Shipper would do it. It's a Paul Shipper style, or it's a Drew Struzan style, it's a Richard Amsel, JC Leindecker. People straight away know the quality of that work that you can do. Now, when we spoke last time on the interview, you you were just putting together your first Comic Con panel, and since then you've done your second Comic Con panel, although not in person online. Um, just how because that's with your obviously your peers and a, and a different kind of selection of people how have those two gone have they been the success you, you wanted them to be oh they were it, i mean the the first one it went really you know better than expected i guess you could say i mean meeting the people you know people like uh, uh robert rodriguez not the director but yeah. the illustrator right who i've grown up like admiring his work um you know Stephen Chorney, and you know, and then some of my some of my peers like Rory Kurtz and Akiko Sternberger, and uh, you know, and and a lot of them came back this year for the San Diego Comic Con at Home panel, which was wonderful. Plus, we had Greg Hildebrand, who I got to meet last summer um, at his home, which was oh, nice. uh, another day you'll never forget. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and also Drew Struzan accepted an invitation to be part of it too. So we had, uh, you know, I don't know how, how many total was there, maybe nine of us. I think it was eight nine of you, yeah. And we were all there on the Zoom call and uh, it was great. You know, it was, we had to, we had about two hours, we were online for about two hours, but we only, we had to whittle it down to a 45 minute uh 
the director's cut. One day, maybe the director's cut will come out. But this was this. We we kind of had to. There was a lot of uh, a lot of talking, a lot of things going on. So we we spent quite a lot of time editing it down. To be fair, because uh, and we wanted it to make sense. You know, we didn't want it just to be like uh, start recording and then. At forty-five minute, whatever time, whatever happens, cut it off. It would have been, would have, would have, wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Uh, so we had to spend a bit of time uh, breaking the, um, you know, the, the 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 discussion into fragmented parts that would that would work as a whole. So it had a bit of a flow and a narrative. Mm. Um, so it was very different than the live uh, panel that we did. Uh, at San Diego, this was more of a, uh, but it was a, it was a, it was a great discussion and 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 a great. Uh, there's some wonderful moments. I mean, the I've seen it a lot of times having to edit it. Me and uh, my fiance Kelly edited it uh, along with David uh, from Asifa. We kind of did it all together, like remotely from LA yeah. to here, um, and it was uh, a lot of work, but. Uh, I mean, the, when you say you, how the, you know whether it paid paid off or anything, we, nobody got paid anything. But the the amount of people that saw it was nice. I think a few thousand people got to see it, which would have been more than would have got to see a live panel. Yeah. Um, and I obviously would have loved more people to have like seen it. I haven't looked online to see how many people have seen it to this day, but uh, hopefully it's you know it'll keep growing i think it's still available for people to watch as well um and uh it, i mean just getting to know the these people you, it's like we we're all sort of became instant friends which is lovely to to know that you're the people that you um that are in you, the industry that you're in you can be instant friends with and uh and you know there's not really any uh there's no there's rivalry, is there? There's no, no rivalry. Yeah. It's just like we're all in this, you know, we all feel very fortunate, I think, to have been working on things like this and and uh and including the 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 you know the the more seasoned illustrators who were on the panel, they're just they're they're more they're they've got more energy than than us youngins. <laughs> I love watching the documentaries of Disney where you see like the the modern day like Disney animators and and I'm lucky enough that I've met a couple of the like original ones who are our age um but like you when you see them it's like they're still like the masters of old they still have the similar kind of respect and mentality they're still drawing on paper they're still doing it old school they're respecting the tradition of yeah. of the kind of the torch they've been handed rather than be like you know i oh, clear all this stuff out we want, i want 20 cintiqs in here i don't want to see a paintbrush anywhere i don't yeah. want to see a pencil it's yeah, i think i think absolutely right i think it's good to you've got to respect what came before you and um, actually something uh, william stout said during the which is a, a a quote that's obviously i don't know if it was his own but he said we're all standing on the shoulders of giants mm. all Every single one of us who has made anything of anything is standing on the shoulder of, of someone who came before them. And we all have been inspired by the people that came before us. And we're just, you know, we're just trying to keep things going, really, that we that, we, that have inspired us. 
and we want to inspire the next generation. And that's a great big part of what it's all about, I think, because there is such wonder and beauty uh, out there that can get lost so easily. And if you, if, and if people were just like, yeah, let's clear it out, let's start fresh every single time, there would be, it would be a disservice to this, to humanity. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, kind of dis, dis, forget everything we just saw. We're going to do it brand new. It's going to be different. Then, I mean, people do that. But for me and for many of us, the, what we experience through our own lives, we carry with us. Yeah. And you want to pay it forward. It, it, it kind of goes through you and comes out as something different, but it still has. Um, it's like an evolution. It's part of an evolution yeah. process, isn't it? It kind of each generation adapts and adds something new to it, but the core is still there. It's still. Yeah. It's just great. I'm, I'm, I'm not very. I'm not very good with words. <laughs> no, well, that only sprung into my head then. <laughs> evolution. And when you think of the people who have previously changed it all, can't remember any names. But I can remember the names of people who respected it, so it worked. I mean, that's that's fine too. Because and the thing is, the people that are are, are doing it today, they're going to talk about the people that have inspired them. They're going to, and also, this is a funny thing. I think we may have talked about this before, but when I was uh, obviously heavily into the movie posters of my day, when I got to college and university, I'd go to the libraries and I'd find books about illustration. And so I quickly found, uh, you know, there was this guy called Norman Rockwell, yeah. who I see resemblances of Drew and Amsel's working. But before Rockwell was Liondecker. And so what happened was uh, his his style kind of, I mean, Rockwell worshipped Liondecker to the point where he would, like, follow him around, I think. <laughs> wow. in, like, he was stalking him. Um and uh, and so that 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 kind of you know he was he was heavily inspired by Lion Decker's work, um, and then when Drew was like starting out, they would ask him to do things in the Lion Decker style, and that's sort of where Drew's kind of where what I see anyway. I see a lot of Lion Decker in Drew, and mm. and then a lot of Rockwell in Drew and and Amsel, and so you see these similarities, and it is kind of like a like you say an evolution of of a style that's sort of filtered through a few people. And, uh, and that's, you know, perhaps I am one of those people that's helping filter it through again, uh, along with a, a number of other people uh, that are working today, but we are all heavily inspired by all that stuff. And, uh, and all we can do is try and keep it alive. Yeah. Well, digital cameras are only ever trying to mimic film. You know, every every <laughs> digital camera owner knows that knows who Ansel Adams is. You know, right. they always want to. Be, oh, no, yes, that's no Ansel Adams. But it's like, yeah, but he, that's film. But and all the cameras that all they're trying to do is kind of emulate what film did, because that's the medium that that is considered that the the art form. And I know I've done some book covers. And what's funny is when I've designed the book covers, now, you know, we remember buying albums and going buying 12-inch albums and the album art was great and we had posters on our wall. But now it's like when I, when I do the kind of prep for it, it's, oh, yeah, but make sure that it, you can see it one inch by 
two inch on Amazon, <laughs> and th- you know, then you got the VHS boxes, and and we got a love of old VHS films, tacky old eighties VHS films, and the artwork on there, as cheesy as it is, it had to be seen in a smaller medium, and now you've got like the iTunes graphic, it's got to be seen, yeah, it, it's got to be seen smaller. Whereas back in the day, you you did that it movie was, sheet, yeah. it was bigger it's going to be seen that big but now it's yeah. so much harder because you're thinking oh i want to put so much detail in this but you just want somebody to see a one inch square version of it it's hard. it has to yeah it has to scale down which is a shame uh for a lot of these things um like vinyl covers are great the size of them was you know it's a good size you could enjoy, you could appreciate the work that went into that uh, and it is a damn shame they don't really, the artwork, you know, the visualization of of sound in, in, in a way, I guess, if it's music, uh, is an important part, especially, you know, when you have a collection and you're flicking through that collection and you want to, you know, you don't always remember the title, but you know what it looked like. Yeah. So, or, you know, when you had music cassettes and you just remember what the, what Spine the color like. was. <laughs> You know, and you'd be like, you'd be able to spot it from the other side of the room if you're looking. But you know, the the the, the colours and everything's important. But yeah, it's a shame that things are going so small now. Um, I mean, despite a revival of of uh, vinyl, um, it's very it seems very specialised now. Though it's not like an everyday thing. Um, I got to work on an album cover for Muse for Simulation Theory, um, which they it was meant it was actually meant for the main album, um, and then they actually just used it for the special edition box set instead. And I did all the internal album art as well. So I mean, I mean, they're a modern yeah. group, and so for them to one um, illustration throughout the whole thing was was great to even just to get a phone call about that or an email you know just to say this is what we want to do and we want to do it all illustrated that's great yeah um, so i got to do all of those i mean that was, that was a great deal of work um but you know that's positive that they that that, that they're still wanting it done it just so happens that when it's on itunes it's virtually invisible to see exactly yeah um, but you know it's one of those things and you the- got to try and make it work on every level so that people will be like wow what's that i want to see it more i want to see it closer you yeah know? and the difference is you and i used to go to our price and buy an album for 3.99 and these new vinyl ones are like 30 quid 40 quid yeah, they've definitely gone up in price yeah uh, <laughs> but I, I mean i spent a lot of my time looking through that the soundtrack section of hmv in manchester and it was just downstairs and they had a they had an import section because a lot of the stuff you couldn't actually get you had to import it Mm. and because my taste was maybe a bit more eclectic or something they didn't never stocked it i had to order it in um and this was like danny elfman or you know nothing too obscure or anything it was like you know but they didn't it wasn't a big seller i guess um but yeah, yeah, just you know, going through CDs and tapes, and you know, that was that was my thing. I got the albums a little bit, but that I, I actually collected them 
a bit later than at the time because I didn't really have a record player apart from in my parents' house. But um, yeah, CDs were, were uh, tapes and CDs were, were a big thing for my growing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the tapes the, were at least got a little bit bigger. The covers got a little bit bigger than the tapes. Yeah, the tapes just used to be a cropped version of the album cover. I remember yeah, loads yeah. like, oh yeah, just crop Adamant down, or just get Paul Weller <laughs> with the jam, and the other two can spill over the side. But yeah. it is that still that iconic artwork? So just to finish off, Paul, um, thank you for your time. Is so? I mean, how's how's this year been for you? What's what kind of you notice i know you moved house over a year ago so you've set up a new studio but obviously beginning of the year everything slowed down what's the experience been like for you and and for kelly as well well we uh we're we we never really went out that much anyway so the lockdown has been at first it was like oh this is just kind of like you know pretty normal for us we don't we don't really socialize a great deal and you know the only real trips that we take big trips would have been to conventions or anything like that so obviously conventions got cancelled um there was no trip overseas this summer um I'll, I'll be honest the the actual lockdown at first was okay but it did start to seem to affect me uh, mentally kind of kind of something i think not knowing when it was really going to end mm. kind of got to me and i was like i just i went i might have gone into a sort of a slight mini depression if there is such a thing because i feel like i've come out of it now but at the time it's like just i couldn't focus I, I had trouble focusing on on things and even even though i had some projects to do earlier um through the summer i i couldn't bring myself to fully focus on them. Um, so a lot of them actually luckily got put on hold, but um, so it, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a break hiatus of, in, of some kind for me. Um, and also I actually injured myself um, briefly, um, which ended up lasting a bit longer than a brief moment. So I, I was unable to work for, for a couple of months uh unable to do anything oh, nice. so it was it was it's been a funny year um for for everybody obviously but um but i feel i feel like now things are really starting to pick up and sort of shift gears and uh i feel like there is uh you know i think light at the end of the tunnel as you say and uh and, and for a lot of us as well there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel coming um i do i do think these lockdowns are a little bit um <laughs> i know i know what you mean I don't, I don't think i don't think they're really stopping the thing from happening i don't think it's it's kind of just postponing more than than stopping yeah uh, yeah which I... it kind of feels like it's like and a lot of people are suffering because of that, which is really sad. Um, um, sh you know, shop owners, business, small business owners, big business owners. Um, you know, it's affecting a lot of people personally and um, professionally. And uh, so, you know, not to end on a downer, no. but you know, but things are looking up. I, I do, I do feel 
um, that there is, I mean, just from my own self, I feel like more motivated now and look, I'm looking forward to Christmas around the corner, even though it's going to be very different. Um, it's something to look forward to. And, um, you know, and, and jobs are coming in, uh, fairly thick and fast right now. And I'm in the middle of projects, which is great. So I have, I have nothing to complain about. No, it's, <laughs> And, I know uh, what you mean. I know what you mean about the motivation thing, because that was the word in my head that I was going to bring out to you was because in the beginning, we didn't know what it was. We just knew there was going to be some disruption. And mm. then there became this period. And I had it because I generally travel to the US three, four times a year to, to various events. And this is the yeah. first year since 2012. I've not left the country. So it's it was all of a sudden it was a. Uh, you realized you don't know when the next time is you can do those things you don't know yeah. when things are coming back and you let you motivation just goes because it's you know you're sitting around well there's no point i can't go out can't do anything i can't if i wanted to do the you know anything in the house i'm not allowed to the shop to buy it and it works <laughs> and you do you get into that funk of well hang on a minute we don't know when this thing's going to end everyone assumes it's going to end 2020 and then all of a sudden it's the realization like you say lockdown no lockdown lockdown no lockdown people's businesses being affected the industry various industries we said like you know if a big car plant goes down all the small suppliers get affected the movie industry goes yeah. on whole you know, all the all those extra things happen but yeah. now at last it looks like we can kind of look at towards 2021 as things slowly starting to come back mm. that, you know, we can go to the cinema again. I really miss that. Yeah. Um, those things that we took for granted, maybe we'll enjoy more when we're allowed to do them again. It could be a positive of, of all of this is that we appreciate yeah, I mean, things a lot more. I think you're right. You have to try and look on the bright side of, of the situation as much as possible. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, cinemas reopening is a is a very exciting idea um eradicating the fear is something that's got to happen and and uh look i mean it's it's i don't i, I, don't, I never like to get into all this kind of uh, real life stuff <laughs> uh, we can move I, on. I, we can... I much prefer um you know the fantasy yeah and, and, you know escapism and things um the sad the sad thing about this is that it's a we've lost a lot of people by the looks of things and and it's but when you look at the numbers 99 percent of people are fine yes mm. and lockdown seems a bit harsh uh yeah. for everybody and um i think if you you know, if you know you have an underlying health condition, you need to keep yourself safe and keep your elderly family members safe. But the majority of people should be able to go about the business, I yeah. believe. Yeah. I think uh, because there's a lot of people um, suffering from depression, as we just sort of touched on, and uh, abuse um, from substance abuse to actual physical abuse. I mean, the amount of, I mean, a lot, I think a lot, of, I think the divorce rate probably went up yeah. because a lot of these people never really lived together. No. And now they've been forced to live together. <laughs> uh, 
I feel incredibly fortunate to have met Kelly and and this is actually the first you know the first year we spent 24 7 uh, living together and it's to me it's been wonderful I have no complaints um but for a lot of people I think they they've 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 really seen who their partner is and gone oh maybe mm. I don't know yeah but that's I mean it's really sad um it's really sad but yeah, it's been a big change for everyone, and I, I can only hope and pray that it's going to be a great 2021, and we can put 2020 behind us, yeah, and move forward and look out for each other and be nice to each other and just get on with it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, and I'm I'm looking forward because I really wanted to come over and see the new place, and like once you'd settled in, and once all this kicked in, it's like. I kept having those little weird things where you you forget and then you think, oh, I'm going to Hereford. I wonder if Paul and Kelly, oh, no, I'm not allowed to go and see anybody. You have that <laughs> thing where you want to do something and then you realise you can't. So at least it's nice now, next year, I'm looking forward to seeing friends in the industry in person again because I've really missed that. I do like yeah. that. Um, bit more so like with the events and stuff. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you both in person again next year and just sitting having a chat and just being able to go and do those those little things and admire your yeah. artwork at the cinema and go go along and and go I, I can go I it's like I interviewed Dan Mumford recently and uh I went and queued you know I kept my tickets and went and got his little Star Wars prints when the film came out oh, yeah. and I got a kick out of going in saying oh have you got the Star Wars prints here's my tickets and they bring them out and I'd go I know the guy that drew them. <laughs> it's just lovely through the industry. I've got to know these people and I can admire and admire them as people, but also be a fan of their art and split it, you know, and separate it. Yeah. But um, no, thank you for your time, Paul. Really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person again next year. And uh, this will be part of the Richard Amsall two-parter. So thank you for your time and uh, stay safe and I'll, I'll see you soon. Yep, you too, Dave. It's great talking to you. Good to see you. Well, I don't know if this is going to be a video, but I can see you right now, which is nice yeah. to see you. <laughs> we'll do the Zoom so we can see each other, but no, yeah. I might do a screenshot, but I won't. I don't put video out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right, thanks, Paul. See you soon. All right, take care.